Hello, and welcome to the Agape House of Worship weekly podcast. Through this podcast, we hope and pray that you will be equipped and empowered to live the life that God has planned for you. If you are blessed by this message and would like more information, please visit our website at www.agapehousenj.org. Thank you and God bless. Battleground as the mind. Our mind is where most of the spiritual warfare takes place. Oftentimes people think spiritual warfare is something that is external. It's something that someone is where, yeah, there are some uh, work of the devil that happen externally. But those are not the majority. In fact, those are not the major emphasis when you look at the scripture. Uh, You know, the major emphasis of the work of the enemy, of the manipulation of the enemy, is what goes on in our mind. And as believers, we must really take charge, take care of our mind, if we are going to win the battle uh, of life. Amen. Today, we're going to talk about how to recover lost grounds. Right? How do you recover lost ground? Let's say the enemy has erected stronghold in your life, in your mind, in your life. You know, you are battling with fear. You are battling with all kinds of limiting thoughts. Uh, for for some of us, maybe it's addiction that you are battling with. For some of us, it's fear, it's lack of faith. For some of us, it's relationship problems. These things are how the enemy limits us. You know, prevent us, and you know. Hold us captive. In case you are battling all that, you know, we're going to talk about how do you recover lost ground if you have lost any ground to the enemy. Now, I will start by saying there are two types of battles we fight when it comes to spiritual warfare. The first battle, or categories, I would say, the first category is protecting our ground. I want you to say protecting your ground. Amen. Protecting your ground. Protecting your ground simply means you already have the ground. Most majority of our battle or that we should focus on is protecting our ground. Majority of the battle is the enemy trying to steal from us. That's why the Bible says his goal is to steal, to kill, to destroy. He doesn't have legal rights over most of the things he does in our life, over all of them. Right? The enemy does not have legal rights to oppress you. The enemy does not have legal rights over your life, over your marriage, over your money. And that's why the Bible calls him a thief. All right? The thief comes to steal. All right? So you have the legal ground. All right? A number of years ago, uh, stand your ground law, right? Became a hot topic in America because of a shooting. All right? And a number of states have. I think almost all states means you can stand your ground. That means you can protect yourself. Your house is your ground. You know, wherever you are is your ground. So if somebody comes into your house to attack you, it means you have every right to use any weapon. All right? If you have a gun, you can shoot them. But don't do it. All right? All right? (laughs) So it, it means you can do that and you will be right. Why? Because you are standing your ground. All right? Someone is trying to come into your space. And that's what the Bible describes in the Bible passage, uh, you know, that we read in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. It says, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. 
put on the old armor of God. That tells me God has an armor. I want you to say God has an armor. So that means God is a God that fights battles. Amen. He fights battles and he doesn't lose battles. So that you can take your stand. I want you to notice that. Take your stand against the devil's schemes. The devil's scheme is actually to steal from you, to trick you, you know, to, to trip you up, to make sure you lose your ground. You know, the ground you already have. He tricked the devil, I mean, the, uh, Adam and Eve by making, you know, by, by, by taking what they already have, you know. You know, so that's what he does. He says, so are you able to stand? And he talks about in verse 12, he says, our struggle is not against flesh. It's not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces in, of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. Did you see that? Stand your ground. You're not, you know, you're not necessarily fighting for something. You're fighting to protect what you already have. Because the Bible says all things are ours in Christ Jesus. The devil is attacking your health. You know, he's an enemy trying to steal your health. Health is yours in Christ Jesus. The enemy comes to, you know, attack your marriage. Good marriage is yours in Christ Jesus. So as a believer, we must always fight from that standpoint. You know, it's a, it's a positive standpoint. It's actually, that means you have the moral ground, all right? You know, because you are the owner. Somebody is trying to take something from you. You're not the one trying to take something from the enemy. God has already gave it to you. Amen. In Christ Jesus. So, Majority of our battle is to protect our ground. And if you're a believer that is really diligent in your work with God, in your prayer, in your study, you know, in fellowship, you know, what those things help you to do is to protect your ground. Uh, by faith, we hold on to what God has given to us. Amen. I want you to say, God has given it to me. Therefore, I hold my ground. God has given me health. Therefore, I hold my ground. God has given me peace. Therefore, I hold my ground. God has given me joy. Therefore, I hold my ground. Amen. The second category of battle is when we're trying to recover lost ground. You know, there are times when, for whatever reason, which we're going to look at, the enemy seizes our ground. All right? The enemy, that's when, you know, strongholds develop, right? That's when he erects stronghold. The enemy seizes the ground, you know, and in those instances, we need to recover those lost ground. We need to recover them. Now, there's a big, big, beautiful story in 1 Samuel chapter 30. 1 Samuel chapter 30, uh, the Bible talks about David was robbed. I mean, David went out with his, uh, with his servant. You know, 600 of them, before they returned, they went out to, to help someone. Before they returned, the enemies are, have come, Amalekites. They have come, and they stole their things, all right? They, they stole, you know, stole their women, stole their children, their property, everything they had. You know, they, they, it was stolen. I mean, it was very, very sad and discouraging. You know, it created a rancor in their rank. You know, you know they started to fight each other sometimes. That's what happened. So the enemy stole, and they started to blame each other. They started to fight. In fact, 
The people wanted to stone David because they were blaming him. They said, you know, we, we shouldn't have gone to where we have gone. We shouldn't have left. You know, we should have stayed here. You know, they started to blame each other. And, you know, David was discouraged. The Bible said David encouraged himself in the Lord. And, uh, and David decided, you know, we're going to go fight back. You know, and look at how the Bible describes that. It describes that from verse 17. David fought them, you know, from dusk until the evening of the next day. And none of them got away except 400 young men who rode on camels and fled. David recovered everything the Amalekites are taking. Amen. You are going to recover all in Jesus' name. I love how he said David recovered everything. You know, in fact, he said nothing was missing. Isn't that wonderful? Young or old, boy or girl, plunder or, you know, or anything else they are taking. David brought everything everything back. I speak to someone today, you are going to recover everything that the enemy has stolen in your life in the mighty name of Jesus. You will recover them. Amen. Say, I will recover them. So David recovered them. Now, in this case, David was recovering. Recovering means somebody has taken it. All right? It's not, in, it's not that you're trying to prevent them. All right? Now, the enemy has taken it, and you are trying to recover. Some of you, maybe you're trying to recover your marriage. Some of you, your health. Some of you, your life, your finances. You know, you're trying to recover your faith. Some of you, the enemy has damaged your faith. Uh, Maybe because of what you have gone through, experiences you've had, disappointment, your faith is damaged. You need to recover them. Some of you, he has stolen money from you, stolen time from you. All right? You've experienced delays in areas of your life. You know, you know, this to encourage you that you can recover all. I want you to say, I can recover all. And I will recover all. Don't forget, these stories are written to encourage us. The Bible says these, these stories were written to, to encourage us, to challenge us, to let us know what God has done before. He can do it again. Now, we're going to look at how we lose ground. How we lose ground. Ideally, you shouldn't, but there are things you, you can do that will cause you to lose ground to the enemy. Uh, you know, first, you can give him place. You can give him the ground. There are people who deliberately do things that give the enemy a ground, that yield the ground they already have into the hands of the enemy. That's why Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26, 27 says, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. I want us to read it together, actually. Let's read it together. One, two, go. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the enemy, the devil, a foothold. You know, you see that is a continuous statement. You know, Sometimes there are things we do that give the enemy a foothold. You know, a foothold is, um, you know, in battle, it's, it's just giving somebody, it's a place where you put your foot, right? So that, and you can anchor your foot on somebody, let's say when you are fighting. So you are able to hold them very well. That's what is called a foot. It's a secure position which allows you to make progress. Now, the best way I would describe it is like somebody's pursuing you. Uh, somebody's going after you, and you go into a room, right? And before you close the door, and they're good, you're able to put their food in there, right? 
then you're not able to close the door. There are things we do in our life that give the devil a foothold. One of the things he's referred to here is anger. You know, in your anger, do not sin. Anger that is extreme. That is anger that prolongs. You know, people ask questions, oh, don't let the sun go down your anger. I think this is metaphorical. It's just trying to say your anger should not be prolonged. All right? It should not turn to bitterness. And many of us, we, you know, we don't really care about some of these things. We allow bitterness. We don't protect ourselves. We are, you know, we are holding grudges, either in marriage, friends. You know, the Bible is saying here, this is so clear. This is one of the things that give him a place in our life. I mean, just imagine the enemy had a, has a foothold in you. Then he's able to make progress. He's able to steal. He's able to deflate. He's able to discourage. Many people will even suffer from, you know, demonic oppression. It's because there's a foothold. There's something he's holding on. That's another way of saying there's a stronghold, right? There's a place he can hold you. There's always something. There's always a way he gets in. And oftentimes we give him the place. So do not give him foothold. Hallelujah. The enemy also comes in. You know, when we fall asleep, you know, there's a story uh, that Jesus told, one of his parables in Matthew chapter 13. In Matthew chapter 13, he told us the story of a man that planted a vineyard, right? And uh, after a few days, came back and he saw that there are, you know, there are uh, other things that have grown there. There are weeds in there. And... uh, and the people wondered, they said, didn't we plant wheat here? We came here and there are weeds. And he said, the enemy did it. All right? The enemy did it. And he, told, and he said, while men slept. I want us to read it together. Matthew 13, 25. Can we read it together? But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tears among the wheat and went his way. You know, Jesus is giving us a picture of what happened. That when we fall asleep spiritually, you know, when we are not, you know, when we are not attentive, sleep is to describe inattentiveness. You know, when you are sleeping, you are not attentive, you're not, you know, paying attention, you don't know, you're not unaware. You know, when we fall spiritually asleep, we can give the enemy a place. You know, we can allow him to steal our ground. You know, when you're sleeping, when you're saying, you know, I don't want to do this anymore, you know, you just, you just lose, you lose your ground. So I want to challenge you to make sure you don't fall asleep spiritually. You know, make sure you don't fall asleep because you have someone that is trying to steal from you. You have someone that is trying to steal. Sometimes it happens in marriages, we fall asleep, you know, we just take, we start taking each other for granted. You know, sometimes people have challenges earlier in their marriage. Things, things are working well. They overcome it, then they fall asleep. They fall asleep means they stop doing what they were supposed to do. They stop, you know, they start taking each other for granted. They stop caring for one another. They stop loving one another. You know, the wife stop, you know, caring for the man. You know, yeah, he'll be fine. You know, and he starts saying, oh, she'll be fine. And what do you do? You fall asleep, and the enemy has a way of coming in. So don't fall asleep. I want you to turn to your neighbor. Beware of falling asleep. Amen. I'm not saying don't sleep at night. That's not physical sleep, right? 
You can sleep at night. A good a believer should sleep at night restfully. Don't stay up and say, oh, I'm just trying to stop the enemy. Oh, no, that's... <laughs> and then you've been deceived. You know, there are people, one woman just once told me, ah, you know, if I, I don't sleep until 12, and this is a true story, I don't sleep until 12 because that's when the enemy operates. So I make sure I'm awake until 12 every day praying, you know, then after 12 I go back to sleep. That person has been deceived. All right, you're thinking by their power, you know, thinking the enemy, if the enemy is the one staying up, if you are the one staying up because of the enemy, then he's winning, right? You should fall asleep like a baby. As a child of God, you should fall asleep, you should enjoy your sleep, amen. Physical sleep is good, it's restful, all right? Fear should not keep you awake, all right? What you should worry about is spiritual sleepiness, slumbering. When you're not, you know, you're not up to pine your prayer life, your spiritual sensitivity, you're, you know, you're not, you're not sensitive to God, that's what you should worry about, you should worry about, amen. Another thing that gives the enemy uh, our ground is ignorance. You know, when we're ignorant of his devices, sometimes some people are so ignorant, you know, they don't even know they're in a battle. They don't even know some things can cost them. You know, and you will, when you go through the Bible, you will notice things like unforgiveness, bitterness, they are the biggest issues that we have when it comes to giving the enemy a foothold. Uh, in, in the scripture we read, we read this two weeks ago, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, you know, it was talking about forgiving a, a man, lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. If there's anything any believer should watch, it is bitterness. It is unforgiveness. It is probably your number one way that you are giving the enemy power over your life. Personally, I have decided I will never hold anybody, you know, grudge with anybody in my life. It's, it's unnecessary it, because it, it opens you up to so many demonic oppression. You, you don't even know where. I pray God will open your eyes. You will stop justifying keeping malice. Many of you justify it. You say, oh, you don't know what they have done to me. They deserve it. You, th- you know, all this way. We- no, if you know... Keeping malice is like drink, drinking a poison and expecting somebody else to die from it. All right? You can't, I mean, you can't be drinking poison and you say you're punishing somebody else. No. You are going to be the one to suffer. You know, so for your own sake, forgive and let it go. For your sake. It's not for their sake. All right? I mean, a lot of things you do for your sake. So forgiveness, if you're a believer with understanding... Is actually the most selfish thing to do, right? Because in some way, you are really taking care of yourself. You're protecting yourself from the enemy. You're protecting the enemy from having a, a road into your life, from incurring into your life, into your mind. So many things that we call oppression, even sicknesses, sometimes physical illness, emotional illness, mental illness, so many of them are linked to unforgiveness. So many of them. Uh, So I want to really challenge you to make sure you take care of that. And the Lord will bless you as you do so in Jesus' name. So those are ways, there are many other ways, but that we lose ground to the enemy. We give him ground. And what he does is, once he has a place, 
And what the enemy does is he pitches a tent. That's why people are oppressed, you know, even demonized. You know, believers sometimes are demonized because the enemy can obviously live in your spirit, but he can live in your mind. He can mess with your feelings, mess with your emotion, can afflict you with fear, you know, can afflict you with insecurity, you know, can afflict you in different ways just to rob your, you of your quality of life. You're not able to sleep. You're not able to enjoy yourself. You're not able to be blessed. He still he prevents your prayer from being answered. You know, all these things the enemy can do. But it is because you give him place. You know, so you must recover lost ground. And that's the key message today. So I'm going to talk, talk, give you a few points on how do you recover lost ground. If you have lost ground to the enemy, uh, how do you recover them? Number one, you must discover where you've lost ground, right? You must, you know, because if you don't even know where you've lost ground, then it's impossible for you to recover them. You know, you must know that. Uh, uh, the, the scripture I, I referenced to earlier, Matthew chapter 13, the servant came to the owner and said to him, Sir, did you, did, did you not sow good seeds in your field? How then does it appeared. And in verse 28, he said to them, the enemy has done this. He was, he's able to discover, this is what I've lost. What have you lost? What are your areas? Are you suffering from uh, addiction? That's a lost ground. You know, if you're, so, you know, if you're suffering from any form of addiction, it's, it's taking you fear, insecurity. You know, where have you lost ground? Maybe in your marriage, maybe in your finances. Where have you lost ground? You must discover where you have lost ground because it's very important. Where are you struggling? Are you struggling with your mind? You're lost? Are you constantly discouraged? Are you constantly giving up? Are you, constant, are you not able to just make up your mind? You know, where have you lost ground? You must know where you have lost ground. You don't know it is impossible for you to recover what you don't know you have lost, right? In Luke chapter 18, we read the story of a, of a blind man. Very in, interesting story. We don't have time, but if you, want, if you have time, if you get home, you can read Luke 18 uh, from, from 35 to verse 42. The Bible told us the story of a, of a blind man that heard about Jesus. Uh, he heard about Jesus. There was a lot of crowd. You know, he heard, you know, there was a lot of noise crowd following Jesus, and he heard. And he asked people, what's happening? And they told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And he started shouting, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. You know, Jesus, son of David, have mercy. And he kept, people started you know, just shutting him down. People shoved him aside. People told him to keep quiet. You know, people really, nobody, you know, and he yelled them all. And he shouted them all, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And somehow, by a miracle, Jesus paid attention. If you really, really understand the setting, you will know that Jesus paying attention to this man is a miracle. Because you're talking about thousands of people. You know, estimates shows when they say crowd follow Jesus, the estimate is about 15,000 people. You know, 
between 15 and 60,000, depending on, you know, whether it's crowd, whether it's great crowd, whether it's a very great crowd. You know, when you read the Bible, you see those words. So you're talking about, you know, some in the midst of maybe 15, 20,000 people, noisy people, you know. Don't forget you're talking about 2,000 years ago. People were not worried about noise pollution that time, all right? Everybody was shouting, everybody was doing whatever, and this man was shouting and nobody. And don't forget, people didn't treat others right that time, right? If you are, you know, if you are leprosy, if you are handicapped, people didn't really treat you well. I mean, people just shove him aside. But it's a miracle that Jesus paid attention. Jesus got to him. It's shocking what Jesus said. Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? Does that make sense? The man is obviously blind. All right? The man is obviously blind and he's yelling. And Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? You know, sometimes we yell like that to cover our real issue. You know, sometimes have mercy on me is a covering. So Jesus didn't want the man to use have mercy on me as a covering. Jesus said, really, what do you want me to do? You know, it's not every blind person that wants their eyes open. Some blind people want to be blind. All right? All right? You know, maybe he wanted a wife. Maybe he wanted money. Maybe he wanted whatever. Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? And the man said, I want to see. I said all that to say, if you don't really know where you are hurting and you don't know where you have lost ground and you are not able to pinpoint it, that it could be very difficult to recover it back. Where are you blind? Where are you sick? Where is the enemy really incurring into your life? You must know them. If you don't, sometimes you have issues you don't know. That's what we call something diagnosis, right? When you go to the doctor, they have to diagnose what is wrong. You know, because sometimes a pain in the head might not start from the head. might be just where you're feeling it, right? You know, a pain in the leg might not mean you have a leg problem. It might actually mean you have a heart issue, you know. So they have to really find out. So spiritually, it's the same. That's what Jesus is trying to do here. What is your real problem? I understand your cry. I understand your passion. I understand your excitement in the presence of God. But what do you want me to do for you? Some of us, even when we confess our sin, we can't even be upfront with God. We just say, God, please forgive me every sin I've committed, the one I did when I didn't know, the one I did. You know, God is not worried about those. The one you know, just tell him. <laughs> right? <laughs> you, you, you knew you've done something wrong. Just go, go before God and say, God, I have not been faithful in my giving to you. Or God... I am keeping malice. Oh, God, help me. God, I've been thinking lustful thoughts. Lord, you know, just, just, just go before God and be honest. All right? Discover where you have lost blood ground. Also discover where the enemy came in. You know, because it's also important to know where did I give him room. It's not all the time that that happened, but most of the time it happened. There are times the enemy attacked us externally. I've acknowledged that, but those are very few times. Majority of the time, what we all battle with are things that we gave the enemy room. You know, Ecclesiastes 10, 8 says, you know, whoever digs a pit may fall, whoever breaks through a wall may be beaten by a snake. You know, if you are reading King James, he said, he that breaks the wall, the serpent will bite or breaks the edge. Amen. 
you must give him a room somewhere. Where have I given him a room? You know, where have I been living in disobedience? Where is my attitude wrong? And sometimes it's not always seen, like I've said. Sometimes it's just a question of, you know, you're not attentive. Sometimes it's a question of, you know, you're living a life of fear. You know, sometimes it's a question of you're careless. You know, careless with money. You know, you're careless with things. And therefore, the enemy seizes advantage of all those things. So it's important. Where? Discover where the enemy has come. Take responsibility, right? You know, discover where you are. And number three, repent and confess. All right? Repent and confess. There are times we need to confess. There are are times you actually need to confess to others. All right? You know, because lack of repentance is pride. God opposes the proud and shows favor to people who are humble. Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Many people like to resist the enemy but they have not submitted themselves to God, all right? The most important thing is to submit yourself to God. Repent and confess. James 5.16 says, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Sometimes we need to confess to one another. In fact, there are some things... You know, there's some things you can't be healed from unless you confess. You know, there are some things you can't really be free for. That's what he's saying. Confess your sin to one another so you may be healed. All right? And pray for one another. Sometimes you need to open up. Sometimes you need to say, I'm sorry. I've been feeling this. I've said this to you. You know, we need to do that. You know, if you don't, you know, you're not going to be able to recover your, 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 your lost ground. The enemy is going to just be having a field day in your life. If you're suffering from addiction, confession is very important. Maybe you're suffering from pornography, you're suffering from drug addiction, gambling, all these addictions. Those are ways, the, you know, the, that means there's a foothold. You know, he found a way to manipulate your mind, create a dependency on drugs, on all these things so that you can... You know, you can feel better, and you feel that you can't live without them. You know, the way to do that is first to confess. Confess your sin to one another and pray for one another. If you're a married man, confess to your wife. If you're a married woman, confess to your husband and pray for one another so that healing can take place. There are some sins we need to be healed from. All right? It's not every sin that is just forgiveness. There are some sins, that's why they are addiction. You need healing and deliverance from them. Praise the name of Jesus. Say, repent and confess. Because whoever confesses their sin shall prosper. Anyone that hides their sin will not prosper. If you are hiding your sin, if you are, you know, covering it. One thing about us these days is that we are masterful at hiding our sin and presenting a different view. All right? We are something in church, something different at home. But we are so good at hiding it. And that's really, you know, what we need to be, uh, to, to be careful about, right? So repent and confess. Once you discover this is what is going on, is this something to repent from? Repent and confess. Now, I want to say this. It's not every time there's sin in your life, you know, you know, and it, you know it's not every time. And it's not, sin is not always fornication, adultery, 
Sin can be simple unbelief, right? Children of Israel, they did not enter into the promised land because of unbelief. Unbelief can be more grievous than any fornication and adultery. Can you imagine the old promise of God over a whole nation? You know, a whole generation missed it simply because of unbelief. We should be scared of unbelief. You know, we should be like, wow, I don't want to have a heart of unbelief. In fact, we should repent from unbelief. I mean, because it is robbing us, costing us of God's promise and God's glorious ideal for our life. Because we don't believe, we miss that. So repentance is, is needed. You know, so I want you to get that when I'm using the word repentance because we all have what we associate words with, right? Uh, it could be, you know, obviously unforgiveness. It could be unbelief. It could be prayerlessness we need to repent from. It could be, you know, like, you know, not caring for others we need to repent from. But repentance, you know, sometimes is needed. Number four, call for reinforcement. A lot of time when the enemy has taken a ground, you need a massive force, you know, to be able to kick him out. You know, because now he has a foothold, right? Now he has erected a stronghold. Now he's holding you. And it is not always easy to pull down those strongholds. It's not always easy to kick them out. Uh, so you need, sometimes you need people to help you. You know, and that's why we cannot leave Christian journey alone. You know, you can't. Christian journey is not something you can live by yourself. There are a lot of people who go around criticizing churches. Oh, I don't go to church. Don't go to, you know, you can worship God in your house. You know, that's another way the enemy deceives people. You know, if you can get all of us to think we are individual, you know, we don't need each other, we don't need fellowship, we don't need one another, we are not body of Christ, we are just different body parts floating around. We are body of Christ, right? <laughs> we need each other. You know, so you need people sometimes when you lose ground, you know, to really help you. If you are constantly, for example, depressed, down, you know, you need people to pray for. If you are constantly, if you are battling with fear, if you are battling with loss, if you are battling, if you are losing ground, you know, maybe financially in your marriage, you know, many people convince themselves we never go for marriage counseling, you know, because we don't want anybody to know about our problem. That's, that doesn't even make sense. You know, that's an enemy's way of saying, you know, keeping you where you are, and you're going to have that problem for the rest of your life. All right? You, you need people to, We all need help all the time. I mean, the greatest job of the enemy is to convince us that we don't need any other person's help. Uh, and if you believe it, we're going to suffer. You know, I pray you will not in Jesus' name. But you have to wise up. You have to recognize when you need reinforcement. The Bible says, you know, uh, one man chase a thousand and two will put ten thousand to flight. When two or three shall agree over anything, right? You know, so God puts people into our life who can help us. The Bible talks about the gift of the Spirit. It's there to help the body. Some people have some gift that you just can bless you. So it's important to know when to call for help, when to call for reinforcement so that you can kick out the enemy from your life. If you notice a pattern, a pattern of failure, a pattern of weakness, a pattern of vulnerability in your life, a pattern, a pattern in your life that you know is causing you to fall behind, a pattern of prayerlessness, a pattern of 
you know, whatever pattern is, you know the enemy is doing something. In those instances, you call for reinforcement. Call someone to minister to you. Call someone to bless you. Call sometimes a group of people to come and pray over your house. You know, when you do that, what you're doing is you're kicking the devil out of your ground. You are recovering the lost ground. Praise the name of Jesus. Finally, don't be discouraged because victory is yours. If, you, if you're here, you're battling with something, you, you know, you're, you know, you're challenged, I want you not to be discouraged. I want you to know that, you know, you will win because Jesus won. All right? You have to keep that at the back of your mind. You know, when we lose sight of that, oh, the enemy can do a lot of damage. You know, the enemy convinces us that the problem we are having cannot be solved. And I've seen so, I mean, I've seen people who go through things, they think it would never, it would never go away. It would never be, and I would say, just watch it. Sometimes that causes us to even say stupid things about God. We go through things, we say, oh, I don't want to serve God anymore. I say, this is going to, just don't say some stupid things that you're going to regret. All right? Because no problem is permanent, Right? No challenge is permanent. You know, it is. It is not. I want you to know that. And if you hold on to God, hold on to his word, hold on to his promise, right? And do the right thing, right? Make sure you do something about it. Make sure you open up yourself to God. Make sure you continue to persist. You know, I have, you know sometimes you go through moments of discouragement. Don't get discouraged. Focus on the promise, all right, focus on the promise, and you're going to see the breakthrough in the mighty name of Jesus. I'd like to hand by praying for you today. If you don't mind, I'd like you to all rise up. I'd like to just hand. If you can get music, please. I'd like to end by praying for you today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I want you to just lift up your hands. Holy Spirit, I just invite you now. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. I take a stand. I take a stand over anyone here and everyone here that have lost ground. They've lost ground to the enemy. In their minds, in their finances, in their relationship, they've given the enemy a place. The enemy has a foothold. The enemy has a ground in their life. And I'm praying now in the name of Jesus, and I stand as your servant. I stand in agreement with them, and I command the devil to leave now in the mighty name of Jesus. I crush that foot in the mighty name of Jesus. I pull down that stronghold in the name of Jesus. You stronghold of fear in the mighty name of Jesus, I begin to destroy you. I begin to break you in the mighty name of Jesus. You stronghold of doubt in the mighty name of Jesus. I command you, I weaken you, I destroy you in the mighty name of Jesus. Every area the enemy has captured, has taken hold of you. I break those chains now in the mighty name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, I ask that you will just flow here. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray, Lord, you will just begin to break, break walls down, break walls down, 
break walls down, break walls down in the name of Jesus. Breaks walls down. I weaken every activity of the enemy over your life, every demonic force that is operating in your life. I command you, be out in the mighty name of Jesus. I declare in Jesus' name, you are free. You are free. You are free, free to pursue your dream. I destroy every spirit of limitation. Limitation in the mind, limitation in the thoughts. In the mighty name of Jesus, I destroy you right now in the name of Jesus. You are free. Free to move, free to soar, free to be everything that God has called you to be. In the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. We give you praise. We give you glory. We give you honor. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. Amen, amen and amen. Hallelujah. Can we remain standing, please? Sorry about that. How about we just give God a hand for that wonderful message this morning?